It is Wednesday, April 22nd, and this is Community Pulse, your grassroots report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse live every weekday morning at 9 a.m. on KOPN. And if you miss an episode, you can find it later in the day at kopn.org and on our Facebook page. It sounds like we've got a lot to discuss this morning, so we're going to dive right into it. Joining me by phone is our dear host, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, which airs tonight and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on KOPN. And also joining us by phone is guest Jenny Chadwick, community advocate and public health professional. Good morning, Elizabeth and Jenny. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. Um, so, yeah, there's been a lot happening. Uh, Missouri decided to, the state of Missouri is suing China. Um, I don't think that blame is really all that helpful in infectious diseases, and I think that any public official who is not confident they did everything 100% right might not want to start lobbing suits. But that's my own opinion. Uh, some un, not yet peer-reviewed, not yet published preliminary data was released from a study of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin in the VA. Um, I am going to see if I can find somebody who knows a lot about uh, drug studies to talk about that, but basically what it showed with disappointing results that the folks who took hydroxychloroquine were about two and a half times as likely to... Um, die or, and they were more likely to need to be ventilated. So preliminary uh, 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 studies that showed that maybe um, people on hydroxychloroquine cleared the virus more quickly from their nose is um, not uh, showing up to be um, helpful in, um, to be replicated in studies where we're looking at the outcomes that most of us care about, how likely are you to get really sick and how likely are you to die. So that's disappointing because we had really hoped to have some positive information about therapeutics. Um, and Cole County is lifting their stay-at-home orders. Missouri's, the Missouri governor has extended um, our statewide stay-at-home orders until the 3rd and then is talking about lifting them in a stepwise fashion. Um, and Jenny's going to talk to us about that as soon as we get done with the numbers. I don't know if anybody else is starting to get sort of um, numb to these numbers. It is mm-hmm. really hard yeah. to stay connected to them and to have my mind even engage with them. But I think it's a love it's I think it's a helpful practice for me to look at the numbers every day. So here they are. Worldwide we're up to two point six million cases and hundred and seventy seven thousand deaths with uh, seven hundred and thirteen thousand recovered. In the US uh, we have eight hundred and thirty thousand cases with 45,000 deaths, and we're increasing the deaths about 2,000 per day, which is really kind of stunning that I'm getting used to that number. 82,000 have recovered in the United States. Missouri has 6,000 cases and 230 uh, uh, deaths, which is an increase from f- of 14 since yesterday. So we're seeing a little spike in the increase of deaths, and it's exactly two weeks after we saw a spike in the increase in documented cases which tells me that despite the low amount of testing we're having, we must be somehow close to tracking relative numbers with the limited testing we have. Um, I don't think we're getting all the numbers, but we're somehow seeing a pattern in the numbers that seems to correlate with the case, with the deaths. And um, the Missouri Hospital Association uh, reported 130 new hospitalizations statewide, 
which is a um, unusually large number, but that number is hard to know how reliable it is. It's um, not complete. It's voluntarily reported, but it's a still a concerning number. Boone County has 96 cases, an increase of two since yesterday, still at one death. Cole County is stable at 46. Callaway County uh, stable at 21. Saline County is up to 96 from 60-some yesterday. Um, Camden County and Pulaski County, the lake area, pretty stable, um, 35 and 30. So, um, yeah, that's the numbers. So let's talk about these stay-at-home orders and the leadership from our governments. Jenny, what do you know about that that is helpful? Yeah, I think Elizabeth, you are absolutely right in that we're getting numb to the numbers, right? They're they're coming in and we're seeing an increase, but we're getting to the point where seeing 230 deaths or 14 deaths a day are, are something that we come to expect. And I think as we get numb to the numbers, we say we want to go back to our old way of life. Like, this is crazy. How long are we going to do this? For? I hear this from so many people. And so, you know, we look at science, right, and say, what has history told us about how long we have to do this and what the impact will be? You, you know, Cole County um, made the announcement yesterday that their stay-at-home order, which was set to expire, um, well, actually, they announced that it would expire on April the 25th. When they originally put that in place, they said it, it shall expire. Uh, it was not a set date um, upon further um, order. So they've set the order to expire for April 25th. But what they did do, and I think is really important, is they said effective immediately, we will rescind the establishment order. And this is where we get into the science. And what does the establishment order for Cole County say? It says all restaurants, dining facilities, bars, taverns, clubs, and movie theaters are hereby closed to the public. Well, they rescinded that effective immediately yesterday. And right. so they now opened back up again their movie theaters, their bars, their restaurants for people to go into. They do still have their gathering order, and it is still in place for the state of Missouri, saying that no large gatherings of more than 10 people can occur at any one given space and that we still have to social distance six feet apart. Um, so, you know, I was looking through journal articles, <laughs> and I, I want to go back to point out that the, an article that I mentioned before, very early on, is in National Geographic. There's a, an article titled, How Some Cities Flattened the Curve During the 1918 Flu Pandemic. And um, KOPN has posted this article on their Facebook page, so you can go look at it. It has some beautiful graphs on what it looked like as we um, put social distancing orders in place, put stay-at-home orders in place, and as cities, you know, peaked and when they peaked, how long those social distancing orders were in place, and if they had a second peak. Um, in 2007, um, the National Academy of Science published a journal article, which I probably, I think that 
probably in 2007, you know, it it was an interesting piece of history, but I highly doubt that anybody thought we would be turning to that journal article so soon and so intensely. But it's called Public Health Interventions and Epidemic Intensity During the 1918 Influenza Pandemic. And their findings in this journal article are, are, I think, very telling of what we have to look at right now. It was aggressive early intervention that had a significant association with lower peaks and of mortality, right? So early intervention. And, you know, I, I stay often as I travel around the country and I introduce myself to people, um, oftentimes they say, oh, you know, I've, I've flown over your state, but I've never landed there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, thank goodness we are the flyover state because right. this pandemic didn't get to us as early as it hit our east and west coast. And so because we did put a stay-at-home order in place relatively early, comparatively, you know, to when, when the virus was getting here, right? you know, we, we had that early intervention on our side. So the other thing they found was statistically significant at lowering the peak of excessive deaths was early closure of schools, churches, and theaters. So you think about in 1918 where we congregated, they also looked at like even large gatherings such as funerals. So anytime we would come together in a large space, you know, now in 2020, we would be creating excessive risk of death. Um, They also said early ban on public gathering was associated with lower death. But what I think is really interesting right now and in the conversation that we're having is that they found that there were statistically significant differences in the time of the relaxation of the intervention. If a relaxation happened, there was a a significant correlation with a second wave and that um, there was an inverse correlation with the height of the first wave and the second wave. And so we think about how well we're doing in Boone County and and especially in Missouri and and that's because of those early interventions, those social distancing, and that now we know that it's like a, in a second wave only occurred in communities where there was relaxation of the intervention. So, you know, we look at communities in the, the 1918 um, peak and, you know, some of the lowest death rates were in cities like Columbus, Ohio or Minneapolis, and their stay-at-home orders and the length of what many community stay-at-home orders were the first time and then the second time. So, you know, St. Louis, they have said that their stay-at-home order is in effect indefinitely. We have heard from Stephanie Browning that our stay-at-home order will expire um, with the states on May the 3rd. Um, I, I'm concerned, Elizabeth, you know, knowing that we, we are doing so well, what is going to happen and are we going to have that second peak? Right, and it's it's an interesting thing to me. I understand that what many people are concerned about is uh, the health of our economy, <clears throat> the economic and financial health. But, um, you know, when we think about what things are essential that we should start to do next, I, you know, wonder about restaurants, bars, taverns, movie theaters being considered essential activities. Yeah, so when we look at the relaxation of the establishment order for Cole County, you know, Cole County is a county that many of our community members, even essential, are driving to, right? And so now we're going to have that 
um, flux of people going back and forth between Boone County and Cole County. Right. And Cole County is also where our our General Assembly meets and our our leaders, our gov- our elected officials are. And um, <clears throat> regardless of my political beliefs, these are valuable. I mean, everybody's valuable. But um, I, you know, the integrity of our government requires our uh, elected officials to survive. Um, right. And yeah, so I'm concerned about that. So my question is: so a restaurant can be open, but it can't have more than ten people in it. Is that clear, or is that not clear? Oh, it's not clear. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So there was originally some um, percentage of, occup- uh, of occupancy rules put in place. Um, we say that there's no large gatherings, but that does a, a, a place of business isn't the same as a gathering. And so mm, I, I honestly couldn't tell you the answer to that, Elizabeth. So I it's think possible that, that within six feet apart. It's possible that more people could congregate for a movie than for a wedding or a funeral under these rules. <laughs> it is possible. Yeah, I mean, and, and I understand it is hard. <clears throat> Sorry, it's it is hard for um, us to come up with rules that make sense when you start to look at all the particulars of what's allowed and what's not allowed. And I hear people on social media saying, "Why are we allowing this, but we're not allowing that?" And, you know, like, why can people go into home centers but not get their hair cut? And, mm-hmm. you know, my answer is I don't think we should be going into stores. I, you know, it just seems like that's a gathering. And if we were going to gather, I would rather people gather for a funeral or a wedding than to um, buy whatever they're buying at a home store or in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um it, it just seems like those things are more meaningful to us. They will um, contribute more to community and personal health than, um, uh, I mean, I love my garden. I, I love being able to buy plants. Um, I love going to the farmer's market, but I, we can do those things in other ways. I'm not sure how we actually do, you know, the marking of the passage of people um, and the, you know, th- these important celebrations in a social distancing fashion, but so it sounds like so. The, but there's still a there's still a stay in place order for the state of Missouri um, that maybe Cole County's relaxation is contradicting. Um, no, the stay at home order for the state um, didn't go as far as the Cole County order. Gotcha. So. Okay. Um, the state never closed things altogether, and, and the county stay-at-home order had closed um, gotcha. restaurants, bars, and clubs. Okay. And so, so when you look at what we're what they're under and what we're under, so when we think about Boone County and how you know the city ha- and the county have extended their order until May 3rd, it's definitely stronger than the state's order. And gotcha. so we reside under something uh, greatly um, beneficial to us. And it, it's my understanding that I think I read somewhere that the governor said that he was that it wasn't a matter of on May third everything was going to going to be allowed that there would be incremental increases. Is that your understanding as well, or did I make that up? No, I think that it, that is the understanding, and and the question is what is that going to look like? And I think maybe Cole County is giving us a clue as to what gotcha. that looks like. What if you know these businesses open back up? And we still are, are living under that 10-person, you know, gatherings. And, and, but allowing 
business as usual in some ways, right? Still continuing to have space between us. You know, people keep saying, you know, proper hygiene, um, you know, the list of, of, you know, physical distance, wash your hands, stay home when you're sick and use hand sanitizer. That's kind of what we're hearing as we relax these um, social distancing orders. Again, you know, this literature is pretty clear that a second wave only occurred after the relaxation of the intervention and early relaxation showed um, an inverse relationship with the second wave um, peaking. So I, I think that we it's hard right now economically, um, but we are deciding between um, life and uh, economics. And, you know, the rally yesterday at the state capitol, which, you know, news is reporting about 700 people attended, you know, there was a sign on the bus um, that was headed to the rally that said, give me liberty or give me death. And I, I think people are actually wanting us to decide, do we allow freedom of choice um, over the, the potential and real reality that we are putting people in a place that we can expose them to a deadly virus. Yeah, and it, I think that if we were in a circumstance where the only people who were going to experience the negative outcome were the people who were doing the um, increased freedom activities, um, I think that many of us would um, have a little bit more of a, you know, you do you, um, uh, that that seems like a reasonable thing um, for people to do. But um, what happens is that when people spread the virus, that they spread it. They, first of all, we know there's asymptomatic spread, so people can share this virus with other people while they're feeling well. Um, we think that most of the spread is still people who are either a day or two before symptoms, who either develop symptoms sometime or they're um, or they are symptomatic. But um, and we know that the people, it is often the people who are staying at home but then get exposed to someone um, who experience the most difficult consequences of this illness. And, um, and then our hospital workers and our uh, first responders uh, don't have any choice about, um, you know, they don't get to control the community, and yet they're the ones that will pay a huge price. Um, I was listening to an interview with a, uh, two paramedics in New York City, and one of them talked about um, responding to 13 uh, people who either had recently died or were in the process of dying in one 12-hour shift. And, you know, that's typically the kind of thing that a person might respond to once every two or three shifts. And to do that just visit after visit, I don't know how those people are going to integrate that and recover from it. Yeah, it's definitely a traumatic experience. And, and, you know, also what we're hearing is people are dying alone, right? And I want to point out that even in Boone County, if you go into the hospital, you're going in alone, right? Um, We want to minimize the number of um, risk, you know, potential people that our healthcare providers are, are being exposed to. And so if you enter the hospital at this point, you're going in alone. And, you know, we are so fortunate that we have only had one death in Boone County. But if we do have a second wave and there is um, people that have to be more readily admitted into the hospital, I, I just want to remind people that, I mean, this is a deadly virus that you will, we will go it alone in that process. Right. Yeah, and 
Um, I am hearing, you know, of course, people with other illnesses are also being hospitalized. I'm hearing from one of my colleagues that one of the challenges is that people will come into the hospital, they'll be alone. And um, some of many of them don't have a cell phone charger. So the only way they can interact with their family members is through their cell phone. And mm-hmm. then they, I mean, to, especially if they want to do video or text or some other thing, then once their cell phone battery dies, they are they feel really cut off. And mm-hmm. um, so one of the things that people are asking for donations is um, uh, of cell phone chargers to the hospital because we... You know, in the past, we would have these community cell phone chargers in lobbies, and those are now places where everybody's touching the same thing, and what we really want is to have each, especially person who's infected or person we're trying to keep from getting infected, have their own. So these, you know, these sort of down-to-earth practicalities are are challenging. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if we're going to protest on the streets, you know, we should be protesting about the number of tests that we don't have still in this country, right? Like we cannot relax these stay-at-home orders until you're effectively testing and identifying where the virus is and contact tracing. And we right. just don't have the staff or the resources to do that right now. And so, I mean, I know you said it before, Elizabeth, but why, how, like I am not hearing in news media um, what the city is actively doing to get more testing um, materials, right? Right. And yesterday I said that um, Stephanie Browning said that we have the capacity to do 100 more tests a day. And I talked to the uh, the folks at Boone Hospital Center Lab. They have 900 swabs. That's it. And it's back orders everywhere. We could go through that very quickly in a second wave. So while theoretically um, I have not been able to reach out to Stephanie Browning yet to find out how what her data is that we have the capacity to increase our testing when the folks who are in the lab say, uh, you know, if, uh, if the health department can give us the swabs, absolutely we could increase our testing. Mm-hmm. But I am guessing that people all over the world are um, competing for these swabs. And then we have the, the chaos that's happening on the United States federal level of the government um, the US, the federal government interfering with delivery of um, of essential uh, personal protective equipment, et cetera. And um, I think they said the governor of one state, I think it was Illinois, recently had a secret plane shipment flow, fly in to prevent the feds from seizing their equipment. So, I, you know, I don't know how we get to more swabs, but you would think that uh, with American ingenuity, we could create more swabs. And that's what I would like to hear more. And then local news is what are we doing locally to make sure that we have accessibility to the materials that we need to do more testing? And once we have active testing of asymptomatic people, right? Like that's right. when we know that we can loosen up these stay-at-home orders. Until right. then... Um, and until we see the number of deaths per day, the number of cases per day, and I, I know we're doing so well in Boone County, um, but I just don't, I, I worry that that might not continue. And I always say, I am the alarmist here. Right. Yep. Yep. We're, <laughs> we, you and I want to be proven wrong. So here we go. <laughs> Jenny Chadwick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tim, for helping. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying home. Uh, we'll be back in touch tomorrow. 
Thank you. Thank you, Jenny and Elizabeth. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Community Pulse. Once again, we were speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, which airs later tonight at 6 p.m. And our guest today was Jenny Chadwick, community advocate and public health professional. You can catch Community Pulse every weekday morning at 9 a.m. here on KOPN. And if you miss an episode, you can find it later in the day at kopn.org and on our Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening to your listener-supported community radio station, KOPN Columbia. We couldn't do it without you, and we appreciate your support. So thank you for tuning in, and please uh, stay tuned for an abridged version of Background Briefing, followed by local news in social artistry and fresh air with Terry Gross at 11.